Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Frank. That means it's time for Ask Frank Anything. If you want to start queuing up uh, with your questions for this hour, you can do so at 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-WABC. And uh, we have reinstated the prize portion of our show. So whoever comes up with the best question, the most creative question, the most interesting question, we will give that person a prize. Now, we're still doing a little aftermath of the elections this week. And there's one thing that I wanted to make sure to mention before the week was out. Now, if you look at my 22 plus year career in politics in New York, there is no one, no one, And I defy you to find anyone that has been more openly critical of the Board of Elections than me. The New York City Board of Elections and the New York State Board of Elections has been an absolute mess. And I have called them out for every single mistake that they've made over the last couple of decades, especially when it's involved me and candidates that I have been supportive of. But I am forced to agree with uh, State Senator Zellner Myrie, who is the chairman of the New York State Election Law Committee in the State Senate. And he said, Once again, with historic midterm turnout and new laws to implement, the Board of Elections did a bang-up job. If you're quick to criticize them when they mess up, give them a shout-out today. Many thanks to all poll workers and BOE staff that made our democracy possible. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, just so everybody knows, my mother works for the Board of Elections, but... uh, Something she really does more as sort of a retirement hobby, so I don't think it would affect my commentary at all. But I'm forced to agree with everything that he said there. The Board of Elections was phenomenal. A lot went right, some went wrong, and with 1,236 poll sites, 35,000 assigned poll workers, there are always going to be some issues. But uh, I think the story here is the incremental improvements and uh, that we're seeing at the Board of Elections, and I hope we continue to see a lot more. Also, if you look at how many election days over the last 10 years or so that the Board of Elections itself was the story, including last year during the primary, that mess up that they had with the tabulation of the ranked choice voting, the fact that they're not the story this year goes and shows how much they did right. So my buddy Vinny Ignizio is the deputy executive director of the Board of Elections, Uh, Michael Ryan does a great job as the executive director of the Board of Election. My thanks to everybody that works at the New York City Board of Elections, because as far as I'm concerned, in this election, you did a bang-up job. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. So I was talking to someone today whose son is a New York City police officer. And they were mentioning to me how a couple of weeks ago, magically, the NYPD budget somehow 
found that there was a budget for overtime. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was in the particular precinct where her son was working or for all NYPD cops in general. I did think it was interesting that this magic budget overtime, which seemingly just emerged, seemed to come after the PBA, led by Pat Lynch, made a rather generous contribution to the governor of the state of New York, Kathy Hochul. I thought that timing was very interesting. Additionally, she mentioned to me how her son was called into overtime and was working all these crazy hours. And I thought that was interesting, the fact that he'd be working 16 hours straight without any sleep, holding a gun, by the way. I think of how difficult it is when I'm on three hours sleep to even host a radio show and sound semi-coherent and to think that these folks are holding a gun while they're on no sleep working around the clock. And then she mentioned to me that Her son and his partner got called to an incident on the subway. And on the subway platform, this guy was essentially dangling over a platform. And obviously, they didn't want this person to get hit by the oncoming train. So they dragged this person off of the uh, edge of the platform. And this person starts hitting my my friend's son's partner starts hitting them. And my friend's son starts restraining this person. And this person just keeps saying, I'm not resisting arrest. I'm not resisting arrest. This is all caught on camera. There's body cameras like many cops wear. And uh, he says that you are resisting arrest. Otherwise, you would just put your hands behind your back and let us talk to you. Wouldn't you know it? The partner of my son's friend is now injured. This is a police officer who's been on the job for 32 years. He's injured. He needs this like a hole in the head. And then the person that uh, the young man who is my son's friend, he's injured. His arm is injured. He's now out of work. Now, I assumed that this was a person that was an emotionally disturbed person, had some sort of mental illness. I was told no. It seems like this was some sort of a person that just wanted to make a statement and maybe make some money by uh, getting a settlement with the city. This is what our police officers have to deal with every day of the week in this city. And unfortunately, this is not the exception. This is the norm. So the next time you see a police officer, tell them thank you. Because on any given day, you don't know what they're going to be having to deal with on what level of sleep. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 WBC. Local Spotlight. I want to give a tip of the hat to the governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin. Now, we all say things in radio, in politics, anybody that speaks regularly in the public sphere says things that they regret, and we say foolish things. And Glenn Youngkin certainly did that. But in my view, what we saw yesterday from Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin is a textbook example of how to hand ha, how to handle this governor yunkin sent speaker pelosi a written apology for his comments making light of the attack on her husband yunkin who's a republican had infuriated democrats by saying at a campaign event that took place the same day as the attack on paul pelosi quote there's no room for violence anywhere but we're going to send her back to be with him in California. A Pelosi spokesperson said the speaker had accepted the apology, which had been postmarked November 1st, before the election. And a statement from Youngkin provided through his office also condemned the violence and said it was a personal note between him and Pelosi, meaning he wasn't trying to send a press release out and get all sorts of positive press attention about this. 
You know, there are all sorts of moments when you're speaking at a political rally where you get wrapped up in the moment, where you just get a little revved up, where you just get a, go a little too far. Happens to everybody. Happens to Democrats, Republicans, independents. And I think that's what happened with Governor Youngkin. Governor Youngkin strikes me as a good man. And the fact that he was so quick to apologize to Nancy Pelosi for saying something that might have been construed as encouraging violence or just uh, something that was increasing the level of tension in our political discourse rather than decreasing it. I think that says a lot about him that he was willing to apologize. He also backtracked on his comments publicly, telling a reporter he'd meant to call the incident atrocious. And of course, obviously, Paul Pelosi was hospitalized after someone allegedly broke into their house, attacked him with a hammer. He told police he was seeking the speaker. So uh, it was really not the kind of thing that anybody should be joking about, let alone the governor of a major state. And the fact that Governor Yunkin backtracked as he did, I think that's the right thing to do. And I hope everybody in politics, in media, whenever they go a little too far, I hope they'll do what Governor Yunkin did and they'll uh, backtrack and apologize. To me, what Governor Yunkin showed with this apology is that he is a real statesman and not just another politician. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Until we can all start our weekend, thank you for listening to me. Don't even think of tuning out for the next hour. Something that I think I might agree with Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on is what she is blaming for the Democrats' lackluster performance this year in the elections. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, yeah, you know me, called for the head of the New York State Democratic Party to resign in the wake of the catastrophic performance by Democrats in the state in the midterms. An underperformance so stark that it may very well make the difference in control of the House of Representatives. Following President Biden's press conference on Wednesday, Ocasio-Cortez spoke with The Intercept to elaborate on her critique of the state party and discuss the role of abortion and the youth vote in the midterms, Ukraine, and the political distinction between unemployment and inflation. Essentially, what she said as part of the reason the Democrats did so poorly was a lot of this has roots with Andrew Cuomo. A lot of what he did to the state and the Democratic Party as governor led to this moment. But it's not really about placing blame on him, but examining what the New York State Democratic Party looks like. It's not a small-D Democratic structure. As a consequence, we do not have the rich Democratic culture and organizing that should be happening year-round, from the way that we select town councils and mayorships across the state of New York. The absence of that results in a lot of what we saw. She went on to say that it's no secret that an enormous amount of party leadership in New York State is based on big money and old school calcified machine style politics that creates a very anemic voting base that's disengaged and disenfranchised. Now, she went on to say some other things about the narrative problem When you look at what New York did, the over-reliance and insistence on leaning into Republican narratives on crime 
and safety. She's saying that that hurt Democrats. Now, I don't believe that that's just a function of messaging and the narrative, but I do think she's exactly right, not only in her criticisms of Governor Cuomo, but uh, I think she's exactly right in that the state Democratic Party is not Democratic with a small d. And if they want to start winning elections and getting people engaged in voting for Democrats, they actually have to show that they care about regular people. And they want regular people to be contributing in a meaningful way in the Democratic candidate selection process. And I would say the same thing about the Democrats that I said about the Republicans on Wednesday, that if the Democrats want to start winning general elections, there's one thing they could do. Open their primaries to unaffiliated voters. Welcome the independents into their primaries, let them vote in the primaries, and show that the Democratic Party is responsive to those folks. Additionally, one of the things that John Fetterman found out is that the non-college educated white working class voters that voted for Trump in 2016 and to some extent voted for him again in 2020, they're abandoning the Democratic Party. And the Democrats have not found a way to, ex the Democrats in New York have not found an effective way of reaching out to those folks. They need to win those folks back. Beam me up. To be continued.